You have to have a well-articulated vision. Unleashing the power of botanicals and unlocking the access to CBD is our mission as a company in this industry. And so that is our true north. America's hemp industry is booming and it's estimated to triple in size over the next few years. But despite its growth, it remains unregulated and saturated with a wealth of companies competing for attention. By now, you've probably been inundated with ads for CBD. CBD, or cannabinol, is a non-psychoactive extract from the hemp plant. CBD has long been used to treat chronic conditions, but it wasn't until its legalization in 2015 that it became more accessible for wider use. CBD has been known to treat pain, anxiety, depression, seizures, among many other illnesses and ailments. Because of its efficacy, CBD sales have been rising steadily. Today, an estimated one in seven adults have utilized CBD products. One company that's leading the pack in terms of quality, testing, and pushing for better regulation to protect consumers is Charlotte's Web. But Charlotte's Web is more than just a CBD company. It's a brand with its own powerful story. Part of that story starts with Charlotte Figgy, who was just three months old when she was diagnosed with Dravet syndrome, a form of epilepsy. By the time she was age five, Charlotte was having 300 seizures per week. That's about two every hour. She was restricted to a feeding tube and a wheelchair. And in multiple instances, she was resuscitated after her heart stopped. Having tried all of the conventional medicines, her family reached out to a hemp farmer named Joel Stanley, who could give her one last hope, CBD extract. At the time, it felt like a long shot, but the results were almost immediate. Charlotte began walking. Her feeding tube was removed and her seizures reduced to only a handful a month. Word spread of the success, and a company formed. Sadly, Charlotte passed away earlier this year at the age of 13, but the life she was able to lead has left a lasting legacy of hope. Today, Charlotte's Web bears her name and leads the CBD industry, helping create access to the treatments that are helping give people back their lives. Joining me today is the woman leading it all, Dini Elsner, the CEO of Charlotte's Web. She's helping steer the company towards regulation while honoring its namesake. She's fueled by a passion for helping those who rely on their products for a healthier life. Dini joins me today for a conversation centered on the benefits of CBD, their fight for regulation, and how data is leading them at every step of the way. Let's jump into today's interview with Dini Elsner, the CEO of Charlotte's Web. This season of Hidden in Plain Sight is brought to you exclusively by our friends at Splunk, the data to everything platform. Splunk helps organizations worldwide turn data into doing. It's time for data to be more than a record of what happened. It's time to make things happen. Learn more at Splunk.com or by clicking the link in our show notes. Dini, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. It is exciting to talk to you. And if you're ready, I would love to get to your story and hear how did you become CEO of Charlotte's Web? What was that evolution like? And then let's jump into more about the products and generally the culture, because I think our culture is changing right now and we're at this exciting precipice of wellness. So I'll shut up. Dini, the stage is yours. <laughs> Thank you. I'm almost, Chad, the antithesis of what you'd expect to see uh, in a company like Charlotte's Web. My whole career has been spent um, in big corporate America with, with Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Kraft Foods, and Kellogg. Um, and that for uh, almost 28 years is is how I grew up uh, through marketing, sales, and, and general management. My last 15 years, 
I spent uh, within those corporate constructs uh, leading turnarounds, businesses that had hit a wall and, and needed to be rethought, re-envisioned and rebuilt. And I really liked that kind of challenge. Um, when I got the call for Charlotte's Web, I was intrigued by the industry. I was intrigued by the opportunity. I knew the story, uh, but didn't know it as intimately as I would have liked to have known it. Um, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I made the jump from uh, a, a very atypical corporate career into the world of startup and, uh, and stand-up. And it has not failed to deliver the excitement. It's an industry that's on the edge of enormous growth. We have an opportunity to actually do something really good for the world and really good for consumers. I think there's never bigger, been a, a, a bigger need for a category like CBD that we've, we've seen. And um, I'm excited to be at the helm of a company like Charlotte's Web that is really at the forefront of inventing, evolving, and transforming this category. So uh, that's how I got here. And, and uh, it's in large part why I am here. Sure. And uh, no offense, but you downplayed some of your former roles. Uh, we don't have to go into all of them, but as chief marketing officer of Kraft, or when you're leading Kellogg's uh, $4 billion snack unit with over 1,000 employees. These are very large roles. So I would love to just dive into those a bit more. And if you could sh kind of share what goes into uh, leading at that level when you have something like, uh, you know, food products and where quality is everything, reputation matters. Tell us a little bit about that. I think you've just absolutely hit it. Uh, when you've got brands, uh, from those companies, from Kraft Foods, Kellogg's, from Procter & Gamble and J&J. These are brands consumers have grown up with, they trust, um, and they're enormously loyal to. And so for me, um, the thrill of that was, was working in a company where I could see the brands every day when I went, when I went to the store shelves and I knew consumers and family members were enjoying those, those brands. And so that put an enormous amount of pressure on um, the leadership in those companies to do the right thing. Um, I think in large part, that is the analogy of what's happening today with Charlotte's Web in, in this category. Um, it's a category that has attracted a lot of competitors because of the enormous growth. And not all those competitors are doing the right thing to put the right products in the marketplace, to have the right um, consistency, the quality, the safety standards. I think the transferable learnings between these two companies really is the backbone of what ultimately makes a successful company. And that is you put the consumer first, you put the customer first, they're at the forefront of everything you're doing. And if you do that right, then every single decision you make is in the best interest of the consumer and the customer. That's where there's similarities between these two companies. Um, a lot of companies in this industry today don't have um, that commitment to doing what's right. They have a commitment to doing um, what's fastest for them to grow, what's most profitable. Um, and I think for me to make a jump into this industry, it had to be to a company like Charlotte's Web that was investing in its, in its genetics, was investing in its um, cultivation, in its manufacturing. If you think about Charlotte's Web, we are, um, every single day, we move down a spectrum of being um, farmers, from being extractors, manufacturers, and salespeople of our product. And so um, we put our, our brand in front of the consumer every day. We stand behind that brand from a safety, a quality, and a trust standpoint. Um, and that is where the similarities of my, our, my background comes to play on this company. That's, in the end, what it's all about. 
And you just described something that's fascinating, so important to bring up when we start talking about this space and CBD, which is quality across every layer of the creation and delivery of the product. So Charlotte's Web is working on everything, like you mentioned, from the genetics to the farming to the direct consumer approach. And when you're going after this kind of full stack approach, uh, everything matters. And I'm sure that there are just thousands of different things to, to focus on, to, to improve. How do you determine your focus now? Could you walk us through, you know, what a typical day or quarter looks like for you as CEO? <laughs> um, there's never a day that is the same as any other day. <laughs> but I think in the end, um, we are absolutely and relentlessly focused on building the trust with our consumers. And when that is your true north, that is the thing that is driving every one of your decisions. You know you're going to be making the decisions through the right filter. So, for example, um, we are driving the trust with consumers as we deal with the FDA and we try to land a regulatory environment that is conducive to opening up uh, distribution and access to CBD. We are driving trust through science. So, we've just launched uh, a division of our company called Charlotte's Web Labs or CW Labs. That group is charged with bringing the science to the forefront that proves the data behind what CBD does for consumers. We're driving trust through driving global and domestic access to this category. We're very active in helping other countries realize the benefits of CBD and want to be at the forefront of when those company, countries open up with Charlotte's Web. And then honestly, we drive the trust with our consumers every single day through um, how we manufacture and distribute our products. Our products on average are tested 20 different times throughout our manufacturing, cultivation, and genetic process. And what that means for the consumer is they can trust that this product bottle to bottle year to year is exactly the same committing on uh, our delivering on our promise. And so when you have that filter of trust, every single action you take every day, regardless of who you are in this company, CEO down to, um, you know, an hourly worker on our floors, you're making the decisions through the right filter. So you keep everybody aligned against the same end goal. And when you're doing that, it's, I'd imagine, you know, you're entering growth phase now where you're you're growing very fast. How do you go about keeping that original vision and mission while still evolving, you know, best practices while experimenting? And especially with everything that's going on, I'd imagine your e-commerce store is doing very well. So walk us through how you keep that original vision and mission alive. So think about a kind of a, a visual where um, the filter we operate through is trust. The end goal is delighting the consumer and our customers so that every decision we make is, is towards that end goal. The next step then becomes um, building the right team of people who are capable to lead in a consistent way, who have stamina to work through some of the challenges that exist in this industry. Because in the end, I truly believe that Charlotte's Web is and will continue to be the company to place a bet on in this industry. And so when you have leaders who get it, who get the end goal and understand the filter, they lead their their groups to continuously improve. And so, you know, an example of that would be um, recently we announced that we've been awarded with with a a B Corp certification. Um, We did that. Uh, B Corp is, is a commitment as a company to the marketplace that says, hey, how we act 
with our employees, with our communities, with, with our products is as important as the profits we generate. And we're going to commit to um, acting in a way that's, that's good for the planet and good for the consumer. We didn't have to go down that path, but that path we went down was right because it built on the original vision and mission of this company. And so um, we announced that at the end of August, this now puts us in a very elite group of companies um, that give back, that continue to improve um, our performance in terms of, of our footprint on the planet, as well as uh, being good for our community and our employees. That came from the leadership that was in place and their commitment to continuously improve. We've also received the first two patents in this industry on on our genetics. We believe in the power of our genetics. We will continue to improve and deliver better and better genetics to our consumers, but we also want to protect what we have and ensure that what we are putting out there is unique in advantage. Um, Recently, we just acquired um, a company called Apicus Health Products, and that acquisition um, expanded our footprint across the topical segment in terms of the over-the-counter topical products, as well into a really important channel called the healthcare practitioner channel, which is where um, a lot of the, the medical influence comes in this category. And so having the right leaders creating this, uh, Charlotte's Web to be the company to place a bet on and, and having the consistency in terms of what we're all striving for enables us to continuously improve and be the company that people want to bet on. So um, that really is the framework within which we operate. Very exciting. And I, I love the B Core certification and the fact that you are really, really focused on trying to set the industry standard for all of these practices because you know the 20 times of testing the product is critical to make sure that it's pure for the end user. When it comes to the CBD space, the hemp industry, tell us a little bit about what's going on? Are there some major challenges that consumers or other executives or maybe folks that are thinking about placing a bet on a CBD company need to be aware of? Where's the market at right now? Paint a picture for us. Great question. And it's, it is a question um, that we continue to receive from the outside because um, the expectations for this category were set at such a high level. I'll tell you that there's nothing in this category for us that has changed, not in the least. Um, the long-term bet on this category is in the next three to four years, this category will triple to quadruple in size just in the U.S. alone. Um, so it's a really attractive category from a growth standpoint. I think the second part of, of this category is that um, we fully anticipate that this category will become as popular in the homes of Americans as, as say, aspirin is every single day. Like you, you could walk into any household in America today and, and find a bottle of aspirin. We believe CBD has that kind of substitutability and that kind of um, access across all these different categories of, of pain management, sleep, as well as, as inflammation. So we know we've got a category that has tremendous upside. It hasn't manifested itself in terms of growth as quickly as people expected. And that's primarily um, for one very big reason. And then a secondary reason, the big reason is we don't have a regulatory environment that has been set on this category. And so with the lack of FDA regulations, our customers have been a little bit more gun shy of moving into the category for fear that the FDA will make them an example of what not to do. And so we have this funny chicken or the egg. The category is going to be big. 
Um, it needs regulatory until it gets regulatory. Some big customers aren't going to get there, but you still have this gold rush of cost, uh, competitors who are coming in and putting out products that are not only not compliant with um, the, the, the regulatory for a dietary supplement, but aren't good, aren't representing it inside what they are in the label. And so um, for us, that becomes the biggest challenge of the category is getting the regulatory set so that we can drive the access for distribution and consumers can adopt this category as a natural alternative to synthetics that they're currently using for um, conditions that, that, that can be helped. Um, so regulatory is the biggest challenge. The pandemic hasn't helped um, <laughs> having, a, uh, imagine, a, yeah. <laughs> having a pandemic erupt um, in an uncertain uh, regulatory environment is almost adding insult to injury. Um, it has reduced the foot traffic to, um, to these bricks and mortar stores, and it has reduced some of our customers' willingness to lean forward in a category until they can figure out if they can just you know, um, supply the essentials to consumers as, as they are today. And so that hasn't been a help. Thankfully, a big part of our business is e-commerce and um, almost, almost 65, 70% of our business today is distributed through e-commerce. And so we are able to still access consumers and grant consumers access to our portfolio uh, through that channel. And as the pandemic eases and uh, consumers have more access, I think you will see this category return to a very robust growth profile going forward. Definitely. It's been a traumatic time for everyone in different ways. And I think you just hit it on the head that this is going to be a surging category when folks start looking for relief, natural relief that uh, doesn't come with a whole host of unwanted side effects. Um, something I've heard about is that there still isn't a, as much peer-reviewed science in this space as there needs to be. So I've you know looked up, I've gone on PubMed and tried to find some different research. And generally the research on CBD is pretty limited at this point. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? And are there any new cutting edge studies that you like to cite? You are right. The pandemic is a wake up call, I think, globally for consumers. And I, I think coming out of this, we're going to see um, mental health at the forefront of consumers seeking uh, self-care solutions. And so this category comes to the forefront, um, not just because of everything else it can do, but because of this pandemic and, and some of the consumer challenges that are going to be raised on the backside of this. You are also correct that the research, because the category is so new, the research on the category has been relatively light. And so there's this desire to get more research to understand um, and the race to um, a category that's developing without any regulatory. So we're trying to figure out how you balance those two things. It's in large part why we launched CW Labs. And the whole purpose for CW Labs is, is to advance the clinical research side of CBD. And we've got a number of very prestigious academic institutions across um, the United States, uh, a couple in the Northeast and uh, in, the, in the Southeast, and I, I'll leave it at that for now, um, that our, we will be partnering with to drive more knowledge in this category. And uh, I'm really very, very, very excited about what we have on the docket from a research standpoint. In addition, CW Labs is going to generate the data that the FDA is so hungry for to understand how CBD acts in your body. And we're partnering with the FDA in 
in helping them get what they need to set the regulatory. So that's the second part of, of CW Labs. The third part is to develop um, new innovation and new products that is based on that science. And so um, while the research has not been as robust to date as we would like it to be, we will be a key part of the influence going forward in driving the clinical, the research, the data, and the foundation to open up this category. And I think, um, stay tuned, there's a lot to come on this front and very, very excited about how our genetics will play a key part in that research. Sure. So I'd imagine that the CMO hat is one that you always keep nearby and put on from time to time. So if we're to put that on and think about this from a marketing perspective, how are you thinking about educating uh, folks? How are you thinking about kind of spreading the gospel of the benefits of the plant? Well, I, <laughs> I think the phrase spreading the gospel is probably exactly correct. Um, I think this is a bit, a bit is, overzealous, but it's a little uh, bit, a little from bit, but somebody that's used it, it's uh, you want, it feels like you want to do that sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and, you know, when you think about this company has been literally in this business for the last seven years and, and we've gone from a stand-up or a startup to a stand-up very quickly. Uh, we went from basically uh, zero to almost $100 million in revenues in less than three years. So it's incredibly blistering pace in terms of how you grow. But you are right. You can't just assume people are going to understand this category when they've had no experience or very little in, enlightenment on it. And so from a, from a market share leadership standpoint, we've got a job to do. Uh, that job is to educate consumers and customers in terms of what CBD is, what your endocannabinoid system is, how does this product supplement that system, and what does that mean for, for you long-term in terms of how you manage any host of different uh, uh, challenges consumers are dealing with in terms of wellness. And so the way we're doing that is um, we are providing a lot of educational podcasts and videos. We're partnering with our customers to make sure that their staff and store are knowledgeable about, about what this is. We've launched a whole new um, podcast called Searching for Answers, um, and it literally is a webinar series, um, which is connecting our experts internally directly with consumers, educating them on a spectrum of topics, you know, from what is CBT to the history of hemp to what's all the hype about or what's the future and where's all this going. And I think when you can educate consumers and customers, when then they become your ambassadors to, to educate other people. I think we're in the right space as a former CMO um, in this new environment is um, this marketing today is not marketing what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Today, um, brands have, have lost control of their brand message. How a brand is interpreted, how your reputation is built is not necessarily built on what you say but it's built on the experience consumers have with you and how they pass that along to other consumers. It's a very different model. And so um, that requires brands be authentic. It requires brand consistently deliver against the value proposition they're communicating. And it requires brands stay very close to consumers and evolve with their needs day in and day out. I think that's what I'm most proud about it at Charlotte's Web. We've committed to the data infrastructure, the consumer at the forefront, and then reading and reacting to that data, not on a monthly or semi-monthly basis, but on a daily and hourly basis 
so that we are getting real-time feedback from consumers, digesting that and determining how we should shift or pivot based on what we're reading in the marketplace. We've brought that to the forefront at Charlotte's Web. I'd love to say it was all me. It's not. Um, I'm, I'm usually not the smartest person in the room, but um, I've done a pretty decent job of, of building a team of incredibly smart people who know exactly what to go do. And, and when you put the consumer at the forefront and you have the data and the transparency to act on what you see, that enables us to continue to stay at the forefront of this category. So cool. And I love the concept of searching for answers. Uh, I think that getting all the long tail, the search phrases and being as helpful as possible there when folks are struggling with something critical. So very cool to learn about. Thank you for sharing. Dini, if we think back about your, you know, 30 years or, or more of experience here in the space, uh, what's been most challenging throughout your career and how have you got through some of those challenges? They could be um, work-related, it could be personal, but generally there are a lot of folks right now that are struggling with something. And when they get to hear an executive that has, you know, a multi-decade track record of success, there's usually a thing or two there that the executive knows. Uh, and I would love to just kind of drill down on your experience there. So what's your experience been and how have you gotten through some rough challenges? Yeah, I, I literally just said, um, I, I can guarantee you I'm, I'm never the smartest person in the room. And I think um, for a long time, I would look forward in my career and think, oh my gosh, look at that executive and look at that executive and think, oh, I'll never be as smart as that person um, is. And the reality is you don't have to be as smart as that person is. Because if you think about your job, I would contend in leading this company is I've got to be the coach um, from time to time. I've got to be the quarterback. and for time to time, and if I'm doing my job really well, I'm spending the most of my time being a cheerleader. Um, and, and I'll unpack that, Chad, for you a little bit, because I think this is really important and sure. will demonstrate that anybody can do what I'm doing. Your requirement as a leader and as coach is to determine what's, what's the destination you're driving towards and what's the strategic framework within which you're driving. If you get that right, you know that whether you're leading a team of 10 people a thousand people or 10,000 people, everybody's at least going in the right direction. That's really an important piece. And so that's the first part of, of being a coach. I think the second part of being a coach is building the best team you can build. And what I have found in building teams is you've got to get people who are functionally capable and highly effective in their, their area, whether it's finance, R&D, whether it's sales, marketing, you need the best and most capable people, but they've also got to be business people. And what's important in building that team is that you get a diverse group of people together who are willing to stand alone and defend a position or challenge the thinking in a position that's been, that's been advanced. And so I love to build teams that are um, stylistically diverse. Um, culturally diverse and diverse from a gender standpoint, because I think only then do you have people who look at a problem from a different lens that you get the best out of that team. And so I guess that's the, the, the third piece of advice I'd give if you're going to go after a position like this is be a really good team builder and developer, because I think in the end, if you get the right people in place and they are going in the right direction and they're leading their teams in a way that's best for the business, your job is done. Um, I think then you've got to be smart about the risks that you're willing to take and encouraging others to take risks. Now, that's a funny thing about risk. People are either risk averse or they're 
prone to risk, but if you know where you're going and the strategic framework we're operating within, you've got the right leaders, risks are not big risks. They're just a, a larger step in the direction that you need to go. Right. And then finally, um, I think it's all about being a cheerleader. If you've got the right people in place and people know where you're going, then your job as a leader is to get the heck <laughs> out of the way and let people do what you've hired them to do. And when the bullets fly and, and the criticism comes, stand in front of those leaders, um, defend them. And when the accolades come, stand behind them and let them <laughs> take the credit. I mean, this is a very basic human things, but I think when you unpack an executive's job like that, you realize that any Tom, Dick, or Harry can do it if you're smart about where you're going, building the right team, taking the right risks, and then letting people do what they're committing to do. And I think I am really quite excited about my experience. I've loved every part of this, although some parts of it have challenged me um, beyond anything I would have anticipated. But what I'm most proud of is um, those teams of people that I've participated in and partnered with. Um, those are people that I can call today for help. I can try to bring them into jobs and they're willing to come into those jobs. And those are people that, that, um, that I continue to be a mentor to and they of me. Um, and I think that's the best part of this because these are relationships that last forever. And I think that in the end is your job to make yourself redundant so that your team is running this whole thing um, without you. It's been said that you can have a culture of policing or you can have a culture based on cheerleading. And I think you hit the nail on the head. People prefer the cheerleading <laughs> any day of the week. That's you been bet. my experience. And life is too short to stick with the policing culture. So shifting gears a little bit, I would be very interested to hear about how have you used data, big data throughout the years? So it's obviously, you know, the promise of data has it's been uh, touted out as a buzzword multiple times over the last decade. Uh, I'm just interested to know how has the use of data evolved in your career? It is a great question because it has almost been a de about a decade where I've partnered with teams to figure out data. And it really came on the, on the cusp of Barack Obama's um, election to the presidency. And I don't know if you're going to remember, but there was a, a Newsweek article um, written about um, big data and how important data became to the uh, the Democratic National Convention because they really looked at who would be the most influential voting block to uh, get to an election and they realized it wasn't it wasn't the the committed Democrats or the uncommitted Republicans it was these independents in the middle and understanding them better than anybody else and ensuring that their needs were met would would ensure that that swing vote would go towards the Democrats. And so we became really quite obsessed with if a presidential um, campaign can utilize data to get to consumers in a better way, it has to be available to us. And literally in 2010, um, I was part of a group that began to look at how we could use data to, to make better decisions. That moved into the CMO job at Kraft, where Kraft um, set on a ton of data and we began to build the infrastructure around it so we could understand what it meant and begin to let it guide our decisions. I took that to Kellogg, did the same things, and we, did, we turned around the snacks business at Kellogg, which was the $4 billion business, and that has been at the forefront of Charlotte's Web. It becomes so important because consumers don't always tell you what they're, what they're thinking, but their behaviors 
tell you what they're thinking. And so a big part of our push at Charlotte's Web is to put data and data transparency at the forefront of our company, whether it is understanding consumers' data so we can get to better insights or understanding the superior analytics so that we can drive better innovation or product evolution decisions. Um, We're using data to provide better insight to how we run our supply chain team or how we harness insights around driving new innovation. So every part of our business has been built on one of the three legs of the stool, which is get data transparency and then use data to drive how you make decisions. And it's in large part why our e-commerce business in terms of growth has accelerated. If you look at our e-commerce business, if it were a standalone business today, it would be the second biggest CBD business in the United States behind Charlotte's Web. It it would be bigger than any other competitor today, just one channel that we have. And so it really becomes important that you know your consumer better, you know your customer better, and you fulfill their needs by delighting them in a way that nobody else can do it. And so for us, data is make or break. And we've placed a bet on building a data infrastructure that can drive all of our decisions. Very exciting times. And, you know, you mentioned that acquisition earlier, and I would love to talk with you a bit about innovation, because I think that's an important part of, you know, e-commerce, as you mentioned, is just one channel. And now you have this uh, channel where you have the potential for physician referrals and recommendations. Um, Tell us a little bit about that channel you're building and then maybe others so people can kind of grasp just how many channels there are for this business to grow into. Yeah, the the Abacus Health Products acquisition was a a strategic decision for us. And it was strategic because it filled a gap in our portfolio um, that we could not have filled ourselves so quickly. With Abacus, we were able to bring in a significant um, topical uh, product line that, that we didn't have access to. Abacus positions their products with FDA monograph ingredients, which enables them to talk about conditions with consumers. Those conditions, the FDA would say, are are, um, claims unless you've got the ingredient stream that they say are necessary to be making those those, uh, positionings in the marketplace. So Abacus for us expanded our product portfolio. To your question, it also expanded our position in a really important channel called the healthcare practitioner channel. Abacus has over 16,000 different healthcare practitioner uh, groups they work with through this channel. And so 75% of their revenue is distributed through the um, healthcare practitioner channel or HCP as we call it. And that channel then becomes influencers. If your products work the way they should, those folks in those channels are ambassadors and influencers to other consumers who are coming into this category. Now we know a big part, um, about half of consumers come into this category through referrals from the healthcare practitioner channel. And so for us, strategically, it was important for us to be in that channel. We now are the only CBD company uh, in North America who is distributed across every single channel for CBD. So whether it's the food, drug, and mass channel or e-commerce, whether it's the healthcare practitioner channel or the natural channel, we have a footprint in all those channels in addition to having a footprint in every single segment that CBD is distributed today. And so we're uniquely advantaged in having that scale across 
Now we've got to figure out the right portfolio across each of those channels and then the innovation stream behind those that meets the consumer's needs in those channels uniquely. And so that's what you'll see us go to next is developing our portfolio so that we have a differentiated portfolio by channel within each segment so that when consumers who go to healthcare practitioners versus, you know, uh, CVS or Walgreens, they're getting a product line that is, is meant to meet the needs of that consumer in that channel. That gives us tremendous um, strength in the marketplace because then we're adapting our portfolio to meet the consumers uniquely. Um, and, and that's a value exchange for us that enables us to delight and drive loyalty with consumers. Sure. And when it comes to, you know, getting back to data, how are you going about collecting, using, or implementing data with your, with your products, with your teams, with your innovation pipeline, um, whether there's a story or a specific example you'd like to talk about, uh, I'm always curious to know how our leaders using data to lobby for a decision or maybe to champion someone else's initiative. Yeah, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great point because this idea of big data, what the heck do you do with it and how do you build it to better position your portfolio? And so um, the, way, the way we're using uh, the data is, I think the most exciting way is um, through innovation. And I think as we step back, we look at different conditions and, and challenges with those conditions. We literally ingest um, data from scientific periodicals, from research that's out there, from consumer buying behaviors, um, from future supplement consumption data that we were able to get our hands on. We ingest all of that data uh, and then we're able to do significant analysis on that to begin to identify emerging opportunities to uh, drive new products. So this is a silly, um, a silly example, but, but it has proven to be enormously beneficial to our company. As we were developing our new product pipeline that we were launching mid-year last year, um, we saw that in the vitamin supplement category, um, it, a, a really quite a big and continued emerging trend in the world of gummies. And we knew in terms of forms, a lot of consumers who will be coming into this category, taking a, an oil-based tincture is a little bit of, a, of an atypical behavior. And so we were trying to find a way to um, build a format that was more consistent with consumers and how they would take um, other supplements like vitamins. Gummies became interesting. Then we stepped back and we looked at the science of, of other botanicals in the category that were getting after some of the similar um, need states. And and we found natural botanicals that would partner really well with CBD so that we could position our gummy line against very specific need states like sleep, calm, recovery. So consumers understood how to consume that product. They got the benefit of, of botani other botanicals that were natural alternatives combined with CBD. Um, and it was being delivered in a format that was continuing to be at the forefront of the, of the vitamin supplement category. So that's an example of how we ingested all this data, stepped back and got to innovation that drove a differentiated position in the marketplace. Gummies today represents almost 30% of our portfolio. That's in less than a year. Wow. It's a significant amount of our, our portfolio. Um, and so now as we look forward, we look to continue to transform and evolve that portfolio. 
that's an example of, of really taking marketplace data, taking scientific data, taking um, data in terms of what other botanicals can do and can help drive a differentiated position in the market with innovation um, that then benefits the company and benefits the consumer. And so it's probably uh, a, a fun example of what we saw. Um, another example quickly is our pet food launch. Similar to our gummies, we launched pet, uh, an expanded pet portfolio. And what we were finding was consumers who came into our, our brand portfolio through the pet category were actually seeing how efficacious those products were with their animals, their dogs, and then came into the category as a, as a human and, and went after our, our human-based uh, products. And so we expanded our pet line so that we could better meet the needs of pet owners, knowing that that was an entry point for consumers into our human-based consumption part of our portfolio. And so for us, data becomes critical because it's the insights that help drive our actions. And, uh, and then the filter is delighting the consumer and the customer. It's the magic formula that enables us to succeed. Dini, when we think about the future of CBD, of wellness, uh, I'd like to just take a step back and think about like the next 10 years. You, know, you mentioned the example with the goal of being as ubiquitous as aspirin. I think that is so cool. And if I think about the trends that are happening all around us, whether it's CBD showing up in more and more foods and beverages, it seems like this is just the cusp of a larger wellness wave that we're kind of all collectively surfing on. So walk us through the future, walk us through that landscape and how does Charlotte's Web go from where you're at now to being a part of every uh, American home and beyond? It's a great question, Chad. Um, I think that uh, I would say that it's a little consistent with, with what I've said. I think what Charlotte's Web has to do and what you have to do to succeed in this category is um, you have to have a well-articulated vision and mission. And, and you have to have that because it, it acts as your true north. Um, we truly believe that botanicals, unleashing the power of botanicals and, uh, and unlocking the access to CBD is not only um, our mission, but um, it's our job as a company in this industry. And so that is our true north. And we will continue to find ways to drive access um, through distribution as well as innovation to meet the needs of consumers. And I think that's the first part. Um, have a vision and mission that acts as your true north so that the entire company knows where you're going. I think second for us will be to develop a, a true point of difference in the market that uniquely advantages you um, so that you can build an incredibly loyal consumer set. And I think one of the biggest benefits Charles Webb has is um, not only are we the the highest in terms of consumer awareness, but we're the highest in terms of loyalty and consumers willing to recommend you. We're doing that based on um, data, science, uh, and genetics. And when you have that going in and enables you to position yourself uniquely in the marketplace that drives your innovation, I think that's, that's the second part of what we're doing is just we are bringing enormous rigor to data science and genetics to continue to evolve and delight the consumer. I think the last part for me is, uh, and, and this is really important, build a team of people who are functionally strong, um, but business people first, and then get the hell out of their way and let them do their job. Um, and if you've been clear about where you're going and you're clear about 
um, how how it is you wanna you wanna operate. People come to work every day wanting to be part of the solution and wanting to be part of a successful team, something bigger than themselves. And if you can do that third thing and do it right, then you're gonna have a loyal group of people who will break down walls to enable you to succeed. And I think that's it. Um, create an environment that where there's, I think, constructive tension um, with people who will stand alone, who will land the best decision, align, and then ultimately execute. So for me, that's kind of the framework of what we have to do um, going forward to continue to lead in this category. And I would contend any company in any industry has to do in order to succeed in this new environment. Amazing. Dini, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm a big fan of Charlotte's Web. I'm a user of the products and uh, can't speak highly enough of the company. We've been fortunate to have your CIO on one of our shows and the interactions with you and your team have been amazing. So thank you for the time. And is there any final call to action, final thought you'd like to leave our listeners with? Absolutely. Uh, I'll never miss an opportunity to to (laughs) try to evoke movement. I think we're going to come out of this pandemic and there is going to be an awakening to uh, wellness and and self-care unlike anything we've ever encountered before as a planet. People are going to be motivated to figure out how to do better for themselves in terms of what they eat, what they take, how they exercise, how they how they build the best self they can be to tackle whatever pandemic is in front of us. And I think that is going to be a wake-up call for this category. And so I would encourage your listeners to get on the phone with their legislators to influence those regulators. The fact that we don't have a regulatory environment today that provides access to consumers from a wellness standpoint for this category is a travesty. Consumers deserve it. Companies um, can deliver against it. And now we need a regulatory environment that helps frame out how we all should act we will be hugely advantaged if the FDA sets regulatory requirements that raise the bar on performance, on quality, on consistency, and on companies doing what's right every day to protect the safety of consumers. So if there's one thing I want to leave you with, sincerely call your legislator and demand that we pass regulatory on access to CBD and regulations around which our companies Um, perform within this industry. And if we can get safety and quality measures raised, it's going to be better for every single consumer, customer, and company in this industry. So that's what I'd leave you with. Um, And thanks for the opportunity. Thanks so much. And to everyone listening, we'll see you next time. I'm Sophia Bush, and you've been listening to Hidden in Plain Sight from mission.org. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Splunk, the data to everything platform. In today's data-driven world, every company, big or small, new or old, is sitting on terabytes of unused, untapped, and unknown data. Splunk helps turn all that data into action. Using cutting-edge AI and machine learning, Splunk delivers real-time predictive insights that will help you on your mission to change the world. With solutions for IT, security, Internet of Things, and business operations, Splunk empowers people to make faster, better decisions and take action to get things done. It's time for our data to be more than a record of what happened. It's time to make things happen. Check it out at Splunk.com.